Fast Money starts right now, live from the NASDAQ market site overlooking New York City's Times Square. I'm Melissa Lee. The lineup tonight, Pete Najarian, Chris Verone, Dan Nathan, and Guy Adami. Tonight on Fast, the biotech beatdown. That group of stocks on track for its worst week in two months. And there's one name Wall Street is turning its back on. Plus, an epic Nike fail. Shares slipping as a Duke superstar breaks a pair of the brand's sneakers during a big game. But first, we start off with Fang biting the dust. The group under pressure today having a rough February, with the exception of Netflix. Am Facebook, Amazon, and Alphabet all in the red as the rest of the market is grinding higher. And the Nasdaq is now on track to snap an eight-week winning streak. So what is wrong with this Fang trade? What does it mean for the broader markets? Guy, can I interrupt your dancing for the show? <laughs> You know, I'd say, not my favorite Queen song, but I'm a huge Queen fan. We'll talk about that later, I'm sure. I don't think it means anything necessarily to the broader market. I think each one of these stocks, you can make an excuse for. Facebook, self-inflicted wounds. I think there's still downside there. Google, cloud computing, a vast third behind Amazon and Microsoft. That coupled with the fact that maybe regulation is coming down the pike. Netflix has been doing okay. And Amazon, I think people are concerned about valuation and maybe the retail climate is slowing down. So I don't think it speaks to the broader market. I'm sure Dan has views. I think a lot of what's happening is people are rotating into other names. It most definitely <laughs> has I told a you huge impact on the broader views. market. Okay, so despite the outperformance over the 18 months prior to FANG topping out mid last year, they were obviously a disproportionate amount of the gains, and they make up a huge part of the NASDAQ 100. I think if you put the Apple in there and the FANG, you know, those okay. five names were up to 40% of the weight of the NASDAQ 100. So it was an accident waiting to happen. They topped out mid last year. They continue to make lower lows. The fact that you have Apple, Amazon, and Facebook all down 20% from their highs, they can't get going. Look at the equal weight. This is bullish. I know that you guys are saying, if you look at the equal weight, the S&P tech index, it's only 3.5% from its all-time highs. Mm -hmm. But if you look at the New York Stock Exchange Fang Index, it's 18 and a half. Ah. So here's the thing. There's a lot of stocks that are not mega caps that have been doing very well over this period. right? So that's bullish. But the fact of the matter is you need the big ones if we're going to get back to prior highs. Well, Dan, I think you're right. This is a group that is fighting for its life here. Yeah. If you look at Amazon, that 1600 level is the Mendoza line. That is the line in the sand. It has to defend it here. I think what's interesting, though, when you go away from just the Fang stocks, look at Salesforce, look at Microsoft today. Great action there. Uh, look at Adobe. That's reaccelerated up. Oracle's about to break out. So there's more than just Fang, and I think under the surface, tech is actually a lot better than people are giving it credit for. I here. think especially if you if you start going and you add the Fang, and you talk about just over the last couple of weeks, and we talk about six weeks into the year, right? Apple's done pretty well so far. Netflix has obviously turned it around. They're doing pretty well so far. Yes, there are other names within Fang itself. But you look at some of the other areas where we're seeing some of that growth. I mean, you look at the semis, for instance, and we brought that up again last night. Keep bringing it up because look at the growth that we've seen out of some of those names in terms of the moves they've made off of those lows. They've had an incredible run, whether it's Xilinx or AMD, you go across Intel today, back over 51. A lot of these names have captured and moved back up to where I think they need to be, Mel, to be able to support a broader rally rather than just the FANG names themselves. And I, I do agree. By the way, Facebook, if they can ever get out of their own way and stay out of the media in terms of anything from a security issue. I thought they got out of their own way at the last like earnings they, report. It seemed like they had, Mel, and the stock was up to 170, and then once again, what happened? All of a sudden, yeah, there's another the story thing. about Facebook, you right? Know, you mentioned, Down to 160. You mentioned Xilinx, and that's a great example. Yeah. Here's a semiconductor stock that made new all-time highs just in the last month alone, and it did respond to good guidance. But take 15 Xilinx. 
and add the market caps together and you get a Facebook. And that's my point about the equal weight versus those five names. And if you want to talk about MAGA, because that's what I like to talk about. So Microsoft, catchy. It, it catches up. Microsoft, Apple, Google, yeah. and Amazon. Mm -hmm. I mean, they are the keys to the market here. You've had all this outperformance from a lot of smaller names. And we haven't seen the sort of participation in some of the groups that we'd like to, like banks. Energy has done well, but it's still way off the but highs. You've got industrials. You've got different parts of technology that are working. If you go to the broader spectrum, I mean, if we just focus on just those big names, it's funny because there are times where everybody says, well, there's only four names moving the market. And the reality is, look where we are in terms of how far off are we from the S&P, the all-time highs. Without, without all-time, forever highs. And yet, you're seeing a lot of these names that aren't participating right now, but you're getting a broader swipe. That I'd rather see. Who's right, Chris? Keep in mind, Facebook is 40% off the lows here. It can right. pause back to 155, and there's no damage done. Netflix has been the star of the star. whole group. You start to get that breaking out here, I think the fang worries go away. Uh, Amazon, 1600 is the big level. But look under the surface, the oracles, the Cisco's, those are the leadership stocks in this sector right now. We love talking well, talk about Fang. But should, I, I, we, but should we be talking about Fang anymore? Should we christen a we new We started the tech? show talking about Fang. I know, but maybe we're too hung up on this grouping of stocks which no longer move as a momentum trade as they once did when the term was first coined. So we should, we should have sort of the funeral maybe for a friend type thing. Like a little Elton John... Right, I wasn't going down that no, but road, I, well, I mean, obviously, I, you, but you sort of I can see there, where you're so going, going there. there. But I, I and whether it be MAGA or, or another thing about group, MAGA, I don't know how he gets the MAGA thing, because when I look at it, it's MA, right? I mean, but you mean the, yeah, well, because right then, it's no longer Google, it's the alphabet. So you might want to change your hat, otherwise you're not going to sell any, number one. Number two, <laughs> you're right about Netflix. It's had a tremendous run, but you know what? Now Netflix is bumping up against levels we last saw in October. It's doing this whole round trip. I think Netflix rolls over. I will say this. I thought it was going to roll over $20 or so ago, so I have to put that out there. In terms of Facebook, I hear you. It's off the lows, but I think it's headed right back there again. I think the headline risk for Facebook is significant. Yeah, I just want to make one point. You know, what you just talked about, Chris, is a really important point. We're seeing value outperform growth in technology right now. So you mentioned Definitely. Oracle, Cisco, mm -hmm. Intel. These are all good balance sheets. They're low valuations. They're low single-digit growers. To me, that's actually very defensive. They have, uh, you know, dividends, buybacks, all that sort of stuff. So to me, I don't actually see those things near 52-week highs. It's actually bull. I know it shows pretty good breath, but I don't know how we're going to get to new highs if we don't have MAGA well, then uh, really. I, I would push back a little bit. Value working, I think, is the market's perception that growth on the horizon, economic growth, may actually get better from here. When you're buying stocks with lower valuations, you feel comfortable about the future. So look no, at Disney. Wow. How, do you, how do you see that? Look at the improvement in Disney here. Look at the improvement in Comcast. Look at the improvement in Charter. Those are staples. I mean, like, so to me, when I'm thinking about tech, if you want to talk about tech, the fact that we're just saying that Fang or MAGA ex-Microsoft are holding on for dear life, but people are in February, late February, are you know buying up Cisco, Oracle, this sort of stuff. It's like the tech bunker. It's a, it's a tech bunker. Thank you, Mel. It, 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 to me, it's very defensive. It, it, it's like, I got to put my money somewhere. They're acting well. I put it there. I've never I'm not viewed any of those names as defensive. I view all those names as names that when you look at them, do they have growth? Yes, they've got growth. Do they, are they doing everything right? Do they have the right fundamental story? That's what why are it's always What are their valuations compared to the Fang trade? Oh, well, let's be they definitely have dividends in most cases, but when you look at a lot of these, let's not be too cr crazy about this. Google, we, we talk about on the desk all the time, it's not that high of a valuation. Apple clearly is not, and I know that's part of the fat, Aang, but I mean, and Facebook, that's not even that high of a value. So we're not talking about 
40 multiple type stocks when we're talking about FANG names overall, except for maybe Netflix. And but Amazon. I mean, and Amazon's obviously always been very, very high, but that's also the one that everybody always says, well, but we're going to use that, a different measuring stick. It's kind of like Boeing. The measuring stick, when it got to a high PE, everybody says, yeah, but it's free cash flow, and then, boy, are they running with cash, which is true. But now it's starting to catch up with itself because that earnings growth has been so high that, that I, a name like a Boeing but isn't the, as expensive. What I would say, though, back to tech, if you were really comfortable in buying Cisco and Oracle and Microsoft and Intel because you think growth is going to get, you know, we're going to see uh, a reacceleration in global growth, wouldn't you go for FANG and MAGA now? with the beta? That's what you would do. Except you would get the, the heck out of Oracle. I think the pushback is you don't need to overpay from a multiple standpoint if you believe growth is going to reaccelerate. Look at today. You had terrible economic data, but yields were up, transports outperformed, small caps were in line. That is not the response I think a lot of people would expect on a day where you have a big miss uh, in that data. What's your take on the tech bunker? I, no, I'm, I'm sorry with Pete. I'm not necessarily sure it's a bunker. I mean, Xilinx hasn't been a bunker. I mean, if that's been a tremendous growth story. I mean, I understand where you could say a Cisco is sort of a bunker, right? But then you look at Oracle, you look at Microsoft. I mean, these are stocks that have done relatively well. So you can't throw them in the bunker with everything else. Number one. Number two, and I wish I had thought about this before the show, uh-huh. but we could have had a pretty graphic. But, you know, you look at the move in Netflix over the last, since December 24th, it is paralleling almost to the tick what's going on in the S&P 500. So you go back to October, look where Netflix topped out, look where it went in December, look where it is now. The S&P is now rolling over at this $2,800 level, the same level that it sort of topped out at in mid-October. Very interesting price action, and I would suggest maybe, and Steve Grosso would agree, that maybe as Netflix goes... This is goes, the key to the market? I don't know if this it's is the, the key to... I don't know. I'm not going to put words in my mouth. No, he, he obviously didn't give this a whole heck of a lot. No, I did. I just looked at it. Well, you just said you just thought of it. I just looked at it. I was looking at it. I do things on like that. Anyway, as you might have noticed, we've got a top technician right here on the desk tonight. And he says, despite today's sell-off and the recent weakness in the FANG stocks, the rally this year still has legs. So let's go off the charts with Chris Verone. Chris, head on over to the plasma and watch you... Break it down for us. Thanks, Melissa. Yeah, you know, and listen, when we look at this market, I think one of the big differences here is the momentum surge that we've gotten off the low. 93% of stocks in the S&P are currently trading above their 50-day moving average right now. That is historically very rare. It tends to only happen coming off major bottoms. We got it off the 16 lows. We got it off the 11 lows, the 2009 lows. And when you look at what this means for future returns, you know, the expectation is that would be an overbought reading. But when you're coming off a low, you want overbought conditions. It's a reflection of momentum. So looking out forward six-month returns, when you start to get more than 90% of stocks above their 50-day moving average, your returns uh, six months out, tend to be about 9%. That's versus about 4% over the historical averages. So the forward returns when you get these momentum surges tend to be really impressive. And I think the other big story here that's underway, this is the equally weighted S&P versus the cap weighted S&P. And as we know, the last two years have been defined by this very uh, underperformance, very pronounced underperformance from the average stock. That is starting to change here a little bit. And if we put some lines uh, on this chart, equal weight versus cap weight actually starting to break out here. So this is the first evidence we have in about two years that the average stock is starting to do better than the cap-weighted index uh, or the FANG stocks. We think that's a positive. We think it supports the market here. I wouldn't be shocked if we pause, but you have good support in that 2650 range, maybe 2700. We'd be a buyer uh, of anything back there. 
think Chris deserves to come on back over to the yeah, desk. Come on back. What what get does he have? I'm just kidding. Like seat. <laughs> Jeez. A lot of people out there buy ETFs. Yeah. And if you had to pick between an equal weight S&P ETF or a normal yeah. market cap weighted ETF, which is the better? The better bet right now is for me. It's an easy call. It's the equal, equal weight. I'll even give you one better. There's a reverse weight. S&P ETF, where the Apples and the Amazons and the Facebooks become your smallest weights in the index, and the smallest stocks become your largest weights. I think this market right now is about the average stock getting better. It's something we haven't seen in two years. We should welcome it. It means there's more things to do under the surface. Except for the fact that for two years prior to the top last year, like, you know, those five stocks that we're talking about were masking a lot of really bad performance in a lot of different sectors. So the fact that we've actually had some calibration, I think, is bullish longer term for the market. But again, you know, I'd rather own the equal weight, too, because I, I think MAGA is an accident waiting to happen. I think the QQQ, if you're looking for a play to the downside, if you're looking for any sort of retest back towards those Christmas lows, that's the best bang for your buck. because. They're already struggling, the, the top 35%, four names, 35% of the way to the QQQ, the NASDAQ 100. If we do turn, that thing's going to flush. Am I allowed to skate in Petey's lane real quick? Yeah. I'll, I'll, you're going to talk options? Are time. you going to talk options? Or no, no, I was going to actually mention the fact that if you look over the last now year and a half, two years, every time the VIX gets down to 13 and a half, 14, it's sort of pointed to a topping out of the S&P 500 for an immediate term period of time. I think that's what's going on now. You saw it get down to 13 and a half or so. That's been the bottom of this thing. Now the VIX is north of 14. So I think the VIX is telling you in the next couple of weeks that maybe this market is going to turn. The guy well. makes a great point because that's one of the things that I was talking about just the other night in, part, in terms of what did I do with my portfolio recently. I took off a lot of stock positions and replaced some of those with call positions. And why would I do that? Because it's implied volatilities are low, 14 right now in the VIX. And because of that, it gives you an opportunity to still be in the market, but with a lot less risk exposure. For more on the FANG trade losing its fight and what it means for the markets, you can head on over to tradingnation.cnbc.com. Still ahead, as FANG sits out the rally and growth takes a backseat, another group of stocks is taking the reins. And one portfolio manager says this will be the year of the value trade. He will explain. And later, Pete Najarian is stepping up to the plate to give us one name he thinks will heat up your portfolio this winter. And yes, that is a hint. He will give us a fast pitch. We're live from Times Square in New York City. Much more Fast Money right after this. Welcome back to Fast Money. We've got an earnings alert on Kraft Heinz sinking in the after-hour session. Let's get to Leslie Picker for the details. Hey, Les. Hey, Melissa. Pretty disappointing quarter for Kraft Heinz, missing on both the top and bottom line compared with analyst expectations. Uh, blaming the profitability miss on some inflation costs and commodity price pressures that they faced during the quarter, also announcing that they received a subpoena from the Securities and Exchange Commission, the SEC, uh, in October of 2018. Uh, related to some of their accounting practices, they say they've recorded a $25 million increase to the cost of products sold, COGS, as an out-of-period correction as the company determined the amounts were actually immaterial uh, in the fourth quarter. But nonetheless, they say they're implementing certain improvements to their internal controls to mitigate uh, their procedures to prevent something like this from happening again. Interestingly, they said that some of the 
Um, you know, on the earnings side, some of the commodity-driven pricing action uh, in the U.S. was due to increases in prices for dairy and coffee. Uh, on the bottom line, they reported 84 cents adjusted, which was about a 10 cent miss from what the street was expecting. Top line, $6.89 billion compared to $6.93 billion that the street was expecting. Melissa, you can see shares down about 11 percent in after-hours trading. Back over to you. Yeah, they are sinking. Leslie, thank you. Leslie Picker uh, back at headquarters. And this is going to mean pain for two very big shareholders of Kraft Heinz, and that would be Warren Buffett's Berkshire Hathaway, as well as 3G, uh, the private equity group. Uh, you're saying this is a disaster of a stock. It's been a disaster since the beginning of 2017. It was a $95 stock. I think it was probably making an all-time higher so about that. People have said valuation, valuation now for the last year and a half, two years. Well, guess what? Valuation's not working, folks, and I still think there's further downside. You know, the CEO talks about iconic brands and all these great things. You can have iconic brands, but apparently nobody's buying those iconic brands. I mean, you know, the ketchup, I'm a big believer in it. At Heinz 57, I'm all about it, but I must be the only one because they missed EPS by 10 cents and they continue to miss on the revenue line. I still think the stock has downside. I feel like snark is going to come out of no, this. No, 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 not snark, but this, this actually goes back into that conversation we're having. So today, Kraft Heinz closed at about a $60 billion market cap. Tomorrow, it's going to be down 10%. It's a company with $26 billion in sales and $3 billion in net income. It's two Xilinxes as far as market cap. Xilinx is going to have $3 billion in sales and a billion in net income. So what I'm talking about is here, for every one of those names that you want to highlight, there are just some disasters lurking. So you'd rather and have a bigger disasters, group and they have a bigger, and they have a bigger impact on S&P earnings. But That's so what Dan, you know, this is the wisdom of price. This is a stock that was $96 two and a half years ago. It's $46 today. Uh, those are not names you buy into earnings. You don't buy downtrends uh, into earnings. So I don't think we should be terribly surprised with this response. Then you look at but where it can go from here. I mean, there's nothing underneath 40 bucks. But if you want to do some math and figure out S&P earnings, and we figure out we're going to cut a bunch off of Kraft, right, and we're going to add just a little in Xilinx, but Kraft at $60 billion is going down 10%, and Xilinx at $30 billion is going up 20%. You just do the math. That's how you're getting a more expensive market because the companies that don't have the earnings, right? I mean, I, it's just math. So I, I, you can talk all you want about these high flyers and some of these things. It's it just, I don't know. No, to Dan's point, quickly, I mean, General Mills has been no... Can't no no. It's it's a very difficult space to be very, in. I mean, it's been, a, it's been a train cost, wreck as well. Competition, generic competition, that's a thirty-something billion-dollar company. So I mean, well, they've got pressures. Good points. All, they've all got pressures. They they don't have pricing power. And what do we talk about all the time? Those with pricing power win, and those without it, and obviously Kraft Heinz is one of those. They are not in a position where they do have the pricing power because when you look at Netflix, what did they do? They raised prices and it seemed to work, right? I mean, those that have that possibility Procter are Procter Gamble strong. in this space has pricing power. There they are, some that, prices there are absolutely some in the space, absolutely, but they do have inflation worries that a lot of This is not a problem yeah. distinct to this stock. Look at Campbell's Soup yes, over the right. last number of years. Look at uh, Altria over the last yep. number of years. There is a problem with a lot of these big consumer staple stocks. They haven't been leaders for years, and they've shown us nothing here over the last couple of weeks that would change that opinion for us. Soup and cereal. No one's eating that. I, stuff. I tell you what, I had some special K this morning. Which <laughs> with the berries? Absolutely. No, no, no. You know why I don't get it with the berries? It's funny you say that. You I know like we got to go to commercial. But the flakes, no, they're real berries. The flakes are sweetened than the berries. <laughs> but the flakes change in the berry product. They're different flakes. Oh, I'm really? dead serious. They have to coat them with something. Speaking yeah, of they flakes. sweeten them. That's the more you know. Anyway, on to much more important uh, news here. Check out shares of streaming giant Roku. The stock is jumping in the after-hour session. It's up by almost 4% right now. We'll tell you what has investors so excited about it. I'm Melissa Lee. You're watching Fast Money on CNBC. First in business worldwide. In the meantime, here's what else is coming up on Fast. 
It was the video that nearly broke the internet. A Nike shoe exploding during a college basketball game. And the stock is paying the price. We've got those details. Plus, Pete Najarian is stepping up to the plate for a fast pitch like you've never seen before. He'll tell you the one under-the-radar name that he thinks is about to break out. There's much more Fast Money right after this. Welcome back to Fast Money. Something strange is happening in the market this week as the rally takes a brief pause. Check out the move in value stocks outperforming growth. Let's get to Bob Bassani, who's down at the NYSE with more on why investors are finding value in value. Bob. It hasn't happened very often, but it's happening this week. It's back, that value trade, at least for the moment. The Russell 1000 value index is up fractionally this week. The growth index is down fractionally. Now, value stocks are typically companies that trade at a lower price relative to their fundamentals. Right now, they are largely financials, healthcare, consumer staples, and telecom names like Verizon, Procter & Gamble, Bank of America, and even Berkshire Hathaway. You see, they're all up this week. Growth stocks typically look for companies, or growth looks for companies that are growing earnings and usually growing sales as well. Techs are the classic growth names for the most part. And the FANG names, you noted this earlier, Melissa, they're the names that are all down this week. So no coincidence here. So what's behind the sudden value spurt? Technology and industrials, both typically growth sectors, have had huge outperformance since the December 24th bottom, while value sectors like consumer staples have underperformed. There appears to be some much-needed rotation going on. Still, don't get too excited about this. Growth has outperformed value for the last year, the last five years, and even the last 10 years. Why has this happened? Because growth after the recession became very hard to come by, so investors paid up stupid prices to get growth. Value investors like Warren Buffett have been shaking their heads ever since, Melissa, maybe this time, They'll finally be right. Back to you. A lot of people are hoping so, Bob. Thank you, Bob Bassani at the ANYSE. Our next guest says, this is just the beginning. 2019 will be the year of the value trade. Let's bring in Todd Walsh, the CEO and portfolio manager with Alpha Cubed Investments. He manages more than a billion dollars for more than 3,000 clients. Todd, great to have you with us. Welcome Thanks to the show. Thanks for having me, Melissa. I appreciate it. Um, so in terms of your style, are you, are you always a value guy or no. was this an act of change? Yeah, we're kind of go anywhere. Um, you know, I agree with your technical read. The market, animal spirits could easily kick in, take us a lot higher. You know, we go guardrail to guardrail, sentiment-wise, all the time. So it wouldn't be any unrealistic to expect that. But we're really optimistic, but not wildly bullish. When we look at what's really happening out there, kind of get away from all the volatility recently. You've got uh, earnings on the S&P that are still going to come in in the low single digits. They keep ratcheting those in, by the way. Then you've got um, comps that are going to be pretty difficult going forward, quarter by quarter. Uh, the 10-year has pretty much decoupled since the Christmas Eve massacre, the crisis lows we had. Kind of suggesting what the Fed suggested yesterday, that maybe global growth is going to be less than we expected. So all that being said, we've got Europe, we've got China kind of wild cards out there. We want a margin of safety, and we want dividends on our uh, portfolios. Before we get to your picks, because you did bring specific stock yeah. picks, um, what, when did you pivot? When did you go from, from growth to more of a value tilt? <sighs> We were a little early. So when we saw the market rush up in 2017, everybody made everybody a lot of money. In 20, early in January 2018, the market went up about 10% in one month. The Fed was clear on their rate path hike. I've been doing this since 1987, believe it or not, and I've seen this movie before. The Fed will keep raising until they break things. So we kind of did it a little early in January of uh, 2018. And then we kind of sat around and waited. So now that uh, the, the volatility or the Fed or the Powell test the Fed put has happened, 
we think it's time to do some investing, but we want a margin of safety and we want dividends. Let's go into one of your picks, ExxonMobil. Energy has been a hot trade this year. Yeah. Um, are you getting a little worried that uh, Exxon or energy might not be value for much longer? Uh, you know, we love the dividend there. It's over 4%. CEO Darren Woods is moving away from sort of the domestic, high-cost, long-life projects into the frontier, uh, resource-rich uh, projects that he's looking at. We think that's a good strategy, and we love the dividend, and we want to wait, let, ex- let management execute, and enjoy that dividend in what we think is going to be a return-constrained market for the rest of the year. You know, we were just talking about bunker stocks, and I see one of your names is Texas Instruments. So, yes. you know, you were also talking about how earnings estimates have really come down, and they may continue to come down. I look at Texas Instruments trading nearly 21 times, 2019 estimates yeah. that are actually supposed to be down 10% or so, with sales down in the single digits. What is attractive to you there? Is it that expectations are so low, and that the stock will get cheap if it starts to... You're hitting a part, part of it. Expectations are low. They've got some headwinds with the China trade wars that are going on. We think that's going to get resolved in the next quarter or two. And we've got, you know, outliers out there. We're moving to Europe now with the trade wars. But we think Texas Instruments will benefit from that. And we love the dividend. We want the dividends to do a lot of the heavy lifting this year. We really see a return-constrained environment, a range-bound market. And we need, we need that push from the dividends. Todd, if this value trade is going to work, how important are the banks to this call? How important are the oil and gas names to this call? Uh, where are you in J.P. Morgan? Where are you Bank of America? I, I think the banks are critical. Uh, we love J.P. Morgan, uh, one of the best global leaders out there in the banking space, one of the best management teams, but also a leader in return on equity. We love that 3% dividend. We think they're just going to keep executing. If this turns into a muddle-along kind of market, a muddle-along kind of economy with none of these things really blowing up, not the soft landing that everybody hopes for, but more of a muddle-along type of market, these types of stocks are going to do really well, and we're going to really benefit from these uh, dividends. Do they need yields up? It's not going to hurt. And you know, there's kind of a yin and yang there. If the market keeps doing better, what are rates going to do? They're going to start trailing in there, and the Fed's going to start making noise about raising again. Of course, you know, they're not 100% market-driven, but that's, that's going to come into play. Todd, great to have you with us. Thanks for coming by. Thanks, Melissa. Thanks, everybody. Hope to see you soon. Todd Walsh, out the cube. Maiden voyage for Todd. Good yeah. to have him on board. I have no doubt he'll be back. And in terms of ExxonMobil, you know, I happen to agree with him. It's traded 15 times, which historically is probably cheap for them. You're not going to get... You're not going to get EPS growth, but you might get margin expansion. You might get multiple expansion, which may get it to a 19 or so multiple, which is about normal. You start doing the math, and this $78 stock could easily be a $90 stock. Sector-wise, what is the biggest value trap in the market right now? I think you've got to be careful with the energy ones. You just had ExxonMobil go 65 to 78 in a matter of a couple of weeks. I think if you're looking for value, you know, Bank of America creeping back towards 30 is interesting to us. You start to get J.P. Morgan above 108. I think those are more timely longs here than maybe the energy names. I think Todd's names, a lot of them made a lot of sense to me. The only one I would differ on, I actually bought J.P. Morgan just the, mm-hmm. last week, and I bought, uh, uh, shoot, uh, Exxon. I've had that for quite a while. I like that name. The free cash flow is unbelievable there. I think, and also you get the dividend yield. Like you said, they're pivoting from where they were internationally to where they are now. I think the most important thing, though, is when I look at Texas Instrument, I would rather be in Intel, which I am. And I'm not in Texas. And the reason I am, I think the data center is an area that I'd want to be in. And I think this new CEO, even though it's not the one I would have selected, I think he's going to be able to direct this company the right way as a CFO. All right. Coming up, Roku skyrocketing after its earnings report, up more than 70% so far this year. We'll tell you what his investors so tuned into the stock. Plus, Pete here, stepping up to the plate, getting ready to pitch one soaring retail stock. He says he's about to break loose. But will the other traders agree? Find out in a very special fast pitch. More Fast Money still ahead. Ah.
Welcome back to Fast Money. The rally taking a brief pause this week, but Pete Najarian says there's one hot retailer that's about to soar to new heights. Pete's over at the Plaza with his fast pitch. Pete, take it away. All right. I'm going to pitch you tonight a stock that's a little bit different than what I normally do because we're talking about a stock that trades at a much higher multiple. But what I like about this company is just about everything. I love a family-run business. It's been around for a long time, although they recently IPO'd just a couple of years ago. But you look at David Reese and Danny Reese and what they've done with this company, Canada Goose, it's been very, very impressive, and they have been executing absolutely to perfection of late. The growth story is something that's really important. I talk about growth all the time. The growth here, free cash flow, that's been growing over the last couple of years. This will be year three of that, which is something that we love to see. Revenue growth of 50% year over year, you got to love seeing something like that. But by the way, when you look at this direct-to-consumer business that these guys have got, it's absolutely spectacular. It's nearly doubled year over year, went from $131 million to $235 million. That's pretty daggone impressive. But the margins, that was one of the concerns maybe that helped push this stock down recently on earnings, and that's why the opportunity was there, why I bought. But I, what I like about it is the margins went from 76.6 to 76.1. I think I can live with that. This is a company that's growing. They've got a great distribution network. And because of what they've been doing, and they're doing it at such a high level, I like what's going on with Canada Goose. All right. You know what? Fast money history here. Come on. Wait a minute. What are we doing? We've got a curveball. So Chris is going to walk over there. Chris, what's your curveball? Oh. Well, we've got to look at the picture here. And uh, we need to let the chart tell us about the validity of the call. And I think at the end of the day, uh, when we look at Goose here uh, over the last year or so, that $50 level right here is key, right? Uh, this has been the line in the sand, really for the better part of the last couple years here. So we hold 50, that's the line in the sand. Because remember, this has been a lower high, a lower high, a lower high. So the chart's working against us. If we're going to get this to work, got to hold 50, got to get it back above 65. I would point that earnings miss uh, that you talk about was on very big volume, 4x uh, average daily volume. So there's some supply on top of this. We need to hold 50, get it back above 64, 65 before this can really work. Great. All right, so obviously Chris is a no, but we want to get the rest of the desk in here. Dan is feverishly writing on his blackboard. He screwed here. it up the I, first I, time. I will tell you, though, that this, you know, listen, I, I think you that. You just when had to write yes or no. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> buy or sell it, right? I'll, I'm a buyer. I don't have a board here. I'll just tell you what happened to this stock over the last few months seems like it's something that was kind of out of this company's hands. They have this massive opportunity in China. That seemed to be the thing that was discounted in the last few months here. So as we get into the bulk of 2019, I think you see this thing recovering, get back. This is the, a cryptic Guy Adami vote. Yeah, so this is, we'll go right, what I write there, Mel? Meg Ryan. <laughs> Meg Ryan. Now, the Fast Money folks, we have smart viewership. They'll be the, Meg Ryan, why do no you idea what you're talking Because Meg about. Ryan was married to Goose. She loved Goose. In Goose what? Brilliant. <laughs> what? Brilliant. Married to Goose where? When? In Top, Top Gun. Top Gun, Mel. Uh, Stay with me, Mel. I didn't know she was in Top Gun. And I'll Gun. tell you, I will tell you why the stock <laughs> sold off on earnings. I'm going to tell you right now. Pete probably knows this because yep. inventories were up 74.5% of sales growth of 50%. People said, wait a second, too much inventories, margins are gonna get killed next quarter. Maybe that's true. And then Dan talks about the growth opportunity. Maybe there's an inventory build because people are buying all those Canada Goose jackets, which is why the stock reversed and went higher. I'm with Pedro. Well, this is like a group power pitch Interesting, today. it is. Well, group it's a fast money first. We've never had this well, you know, Pete versus Chris TV. kind of dynamic. Are you at home, though? We want to know what you think. Are you siding with Pete or Chris for the Canada Goose pitch? You can vote in our Twitter poll at CNBC Fast Money. We'll reveal the results later on in the show. Plus, Nike's sneaker fail kicking down the stock today, and the charts are pointing to even more hurdles ahead. We've got all the details. 
Now, this is the video taking the sports world by storm. A packed basketball stadium watching as Zion Williamson falls to the floor, spraining his knee in the process and putting him out of the game against North Carolina. And this is what, less than a minute into this game. The culprit here, his Nikes with the left sole just exploding on the Duke Blue Devils superstar. But Nike's shoe troubles haven't ended there. Owners of Nike's Adapt BB Shoes released at the NBA All-Star Game just this past Sunday are already reporting that the app-controlled self-lacing shoe <laughs> yes, it's self-lacing. <laughs> Isn't connecting well to its Android app. The stock is up 14% this year, but could Nike be tripping over its own laces? Well, look, I mean, the fact <laughs> that, that people can't tie their shoe, I mean, it's really pathetic. I mean, this is, a whole, this is its own show, self-lacing. I mean, if you folks have self-lacing <laughs> shoes, you're playing the game of life wrong, R-O-N-G wrong. That's me talking. I understand, number one. Number two, it's odd that how this Nike move comes on the heels of potentially, and Chris Verone is on sort of the pinnacle of the chartist. I mean, you're talking about a major potential for a double top going back from September, October. That's not good. Couple with that valuation, and the story gets a little bit dicey here. I think Nike can turn this negative into a positive if they do something quick. But as Pete will point out correctly, Adidas, Adidas, would swoop right in. Yeah. Guy, I got to push back. Push the back. Stock just spent the last push three back. years between 40 and 70. This is a secular breakout we saw in the second half of 18. Any pullback to this low 80 neighborhood, I think, is an opportunity to add exposure. It is making new relative highs versus the S&P as well. So this is a leader relative to its peers. It's a leader versus Adidas. It's a leader versus Under Armour. I think you want to use this opportunity to be a buyer right here. Should we I, be worried about the quality of, of these products, of the, of the supply chain? It's a great question. I mean, I have never seen that happen to a shoe before, and maybe we'll never see it again. Let's hope we don't, because that was absolutely awful. But maybe it's just because of the sheer mass and size. A lot of people have brought that up pounds. of this Zion. Yeah. I mean, he is, he is a monster, and he's a special individual. But I'll tell you what, if I'm at Adidas, this puts me into the NBA. You know why? Because I signed that guy to a contract as soon as humanly possible. He's a freshman right now. I know, but he's going to be in the NBA in not too many months from yeah. now. So, I mean, he, matter of fact, there's a possibility, and people have talked about this, Mel, he might not play in college again the rest of the season. Mm -hmm. That's unlikely, but there are some people who would probably suggest to him, hey, look, just go into the draft. I the think there's a good chance it actually pushes him closer into Nike's arms quicker, too. So, I mean, they could go the other way. That would yep. be the interesting. High multiple stock, Nike. Well, as Nike shares slid today, options traders made some bearish bets on the athleisure stock. So, Dan, why don't you break it down? Yeah, it, it was really short-dated uh, options, activity, uh, put volume, and overall options volume was about two times average daily volume. Um, and, you know, the most active uh, put strike was the Feb 22, this Friday expiration, 84 puts, about 2,700 of them traded for about 70 cents. Again, really short dated, playing for a continuation um, of this move. I got a couple charts here, and I think, you know, these guys talked about the technicals. I just want to show you the price of options. This is 30 day um, at the money implied volatility. Look at that quick spike. Those are the sorts of spikes that you would see on a much bigger move than a down one and a half percent move or something like that today. So that just tells you the short dated put buying that we were seeing today to the charts and I'll just do a little Christopher own right here here's the one year you know when I look at that and I think about this company reporting earnings in a few weeks I think about the guidance they gave about China in December I say this thing double top I don't like the prospects of better than expected guidance real quickly five years Chris talked about that consolidation I don't know, man. I see a move back towards 70 on any disappointment over the next month or two. So to me, I am not playing for the breakout. All right. For more options action, check out the full show tomorrow, 5.30 p.m. Eastern time. Coming up, it's a bird, it's a plane. Nope.
just Roku, rocketing higher after its earnings report, adding nearly 80% uh, 80% to its market cap this year. We will tell you if any of the traders are buying into this Roku rally. We're live at the Nasdaq and Times Square. Much more fast money still ahead. Welcome back to Fast Money. Check out shares of Kraft. Uh, they're down by 16% right now after our session lows. We mentioned earlier in the show that the company missed on earnings and received a subpoena from the SEC over its accounting practices. The company is also now slashing its dividend by about 36%. The company conference call is underway as we speak, and uh, you see they're down about 16.5% right now. But uh, the subpoena, cutting the dividend... It's hard to hold on to a stock. No, and you, you shouldn't hold on to it. And we said that, I think, 20 minutes ago when we talked about it. And I'll, I'll reiterate it now. I think Becky Quick's going to have Mr. Buffett on tomorrow. Mm-hmm. I'm sure one of the questions she will ask him is, what do you think is going on with Kraft Heinz? That being said, you know, people have tried to play this on valuation. I think to Chris's point earlier, it's not a valuation story. There's no growth. There's no margins. There's no nothing. At a certain point, you're going to see activists come in. I don't think you're there yet, though. And that's the thing with these rallies in bear markets. When you see a craft go 40 to 50 over the last several weeks, it disappears real fast when the news breaks the wrong way. When you buy stocks and downtrends, you've got to be prepared for bearish price action. 40 is going to be where this opens tomorrow. We're sellers here. We think lower. I mean, the ownership of the stock is very interesting. We mentioned before that Berkshire, you mentioned this, mm-hmm. is a major shareholder. About two-thirds of the shares are held by Berkshire and 3G. Yeah. Only a third is out there in Yeah, you know, when you start hands. hearing about subpoenas and, and accounting practices and that kind of stuff, Mel, I mean, that, that never ends up well. So I, I, I don't think any of us are surprised to see the stock getting hammered the way it is right now. And the fact they're having to slash. I mean, the, the combination of all of this, it's like all the bad news is coming all at once. Well, it's interesting because they said that they didn't expect that the SEC investigation would result in a material impact. Right. Their quarter was bad. And so what else are they seeing that causes them to slash a dividend, which is a, a very drastic action to take. You know, the first blush, there was something that Pick was saying, something about cogs and this and that. It's a one-time this. Yeah, it yeah. seems like they were just throwing everything around there. Um, but I think the point about two-thirds of the shares being owned by two shareholders, we're not going to be selling tomorrow. I mean, that, that's the really so most important kind of point at some point. I don't know if they buy more, but you know that most of that stock is locked up. All right. Uh, now let's move on to Roku and other after-hours movers. Uh, to the upside, though, Leslie Pickers in the newsroom with the latest. Leslie. Hey, Melissa. The upside, indeed. Roku's stuck gaining on a top and bottom line beat today. This largely thanks to, well, cord cutting. As 3 million American households cut the cord, Roku added 8 million active accounts in 2018, the company said. The conference call is ongoing, but moments ago, CFO Steve Loudon saying that the popularity of streaming skyrocketed last year. We continue to see growing engagement on the platform, with 2018 streaming hours up 9.2 billion year over year to 24 billion. As we mentioned in our shareholder letter, Roku users streamed more in the last year and a half than in the entire prior nine years combined. Not only are more people choosing Roku as their streaming platform, but they are also streaming more than ever. Now, Melissa, adding accounts is one thing. Monetizing them is quite another. Roku says this will be the year they reach $1 billion in revenue by scaling the number of households that use their platform. CEO Anthony Wood noting on the call that he believes the company is in its early days of growth. Roku launched the Roku channel in late 2017 to get more ad inventory under their domain. The company also expects to benefit as more users shift to streaming on their mobile devices, where the advertising spend has caught up, they say. Roku shares up about 4% in after-hours trading, but still about 30% below their October high, Melissa. 
All right, Leslie, thank you, Leslie Picker at headquarters. What's the read through, Dan? Uh, it's a tough one. I mean, this, this stock has 25% of its shares outstanding, sold short. If you just go look at the chart and you look at how this stock had sold off in Q1 last year, 50%, then it rallied 150%, and then Q4 to the lows, it, it sold off 65%. Here it is back up there. I don't know. It's kind of untradeable. You, if you, if you want to play this, it's just a secular play on streaming, but I can make a whole host of fundamental reasons why the big platform companies can put them out of business at any point at some point like pretty a, soon. Like, like an a Apple. Apple, like a Amazon, you know, yeah. um, I mean, the list goes on. That may be true long term. I think in the near term, the pain trade here is up when a quarter of the shares are held short, uh, as you mentioned, in a tape like this. You don't want to be caught uh, on the wrong side. What has stood out to us, the couple big updates over the last few weeks have all been on very, very big volume, almost 4x average daily volume. I think the stock's being accumulated here. Getting up through 53, 54 uh, is a big level. I think on its way to 60. Do you use the Roku guy? I love it. I, every, t- every, every time I go on shopping, I use Roku. It's fantastic. It's different from Haiku, you realize. I love a good Haiku. I can <laughs> actually do my final things. trade Haiku. Very Let me mention this, yes, and I'll please. push back on Dan Nathan. <laughs> you know, if Tim Seymour were here, he would mention ARPU, and then you would say average revenue per, per user. user because Tim likes to be talking. Fa- I'm sorry, Dan. Just hit on me. ARPU is up 17.5% because I'm very excited tonight, and that's a big new, and, and that's a big deal. EBITDA increased by 70% year over year. These are tremendous numbers. So with that short interest, I think the stock goes higher. When you've got a company like that and you see the growth potential trajectory going forward, what's the, do, do any of you guys have another, I, I just another leg? I just, I just think TiVo, okay? TiVo was this, uh, this, oh. this really... I loved the four, my TiVo I know you when I had you're, it. You're the only one but who bought the lifetime membership. But do you think somebody finds value there? She did. We know somebody that. find value there? In other words, it's a $5 I'm, billion dollar company. I'm not telling you the stock's not going to work for the next one or two years or anything like that. I just look at a stock that's been as volatile as this and I think about the players that they are actually stacked up against. But do so some of the players can, need to maybe add anything? That's listen, my with a market cap like this and they're going to do a billion dollars in sales, it probably is an easy takeover candidate That's for what I'm saying. Right now. Yeah, oh, I, know, I, I get that. But you know, the cable companies down. are trying to get you to use Roku's to get rid of some of these expensive boxes. So they still have a runway even as people are cutting the cord, right? Because they're cutting the cord sometimes you know, on the cable company's dime, uh, but ultimately they're going to be gone because these little sticks are not going to be I mean, what's the differentiation? I mean, what, what is the difference between using Apple TV as the... There is none. The source for all your your there various subscriptions. There Apple made a huge mistake by actually not giving away the Apple TVs. They called it a hobby for a long time. They wanted to get into the living room. They should have just been giving them away when you buy a Mac or an iPhone or something like that, and they'd be in 80 million households But then there'd be criticism for why are they giving it away. Right? Don't you think that would happen? This is a cheaper product, right? This is a cheaper product than Apple TV. I think this is interesting. Among the recent IPOs, this is one of the few that never broke price last year. That's a different story than what we saw in the fourth quarter with a lot of those names. Mm. This has been an IPO-driven market the last few weeks. If you look at the Zscalers and the DocuSigns and the Mimecast, there is a tone to this tape where you don't want to be short names uh, like this. I think you stay long. All right. Up next, final trade. Time to reveal the results of our Twitter poll for Pete's Fast Pitch, and it was a dead heat. Unfortunately, though, Pete, Tony Braxton, cure up, because Twitter, uh, the flock isn't following your lead when it comes to Canada Goose. So they're siding with Chris. <laughs> so that means that Chris, oh, Chris negative? Oh, he's is so having weird. the time of his life wow. because he wins. <laughs> So there we go. We got them both. No, no, no it's good stuff. It's time chart. for the final trade. A lot of things in that chart, by the way. There's great buy right opportunities in that goose. But KMI, keep an eye on this thing. I'm telling you what, Richard Kinder keeps on buying. Giddy up. Christopher Owen. Old tech is breaking out. We want to own Oracle. 52 to 60 is the trade. 
understand. Uh, yeah, Nike, I think you sell it here at the double top, but I think you use put spreads to pay it. Oh, short side. Gee. Watch this. Medical device. Love Boston Scientific. Breaking out, sister. <laughs> that does it for us after that marvelous haiku. See you back here tomorrow at 5 for more Fast Mad Money with Jim Kramer starts now. <laughs>